When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the Marvel Stuff Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Kedidin from Facebook, and I'm going to be doing my first episode of Marvelous Depths. If you don't know what Marvelous Depths is, it's a new segment we're going to be doing here on the podcast. Uh, Me and Coach are both going to deep dive into movies that we really like over time, and maybe some of our other co-hosts will hop in and join the fun. But if you haven't heard it yet, go ahead and go back, listen to Coach's episode. He did a really good job. He made he related Chong Chi in the Legend of the Ten Rings to his life in things of that nature when I kind of approached it a little differently because it, it was hard for me to relate to the main character of this one. So let's hop in. I put up a Facebook poll and there was three options. And if you aren't part of our Facebook group yet, you should definitely hop in there. My three options were Doctor Strange. X-Men Origins Wolverine, which was questionable for a lot of people, but I'm going to explain why. And then, of course, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, which is my favorite MCU movie to date. Now, Doctor Strange I chose for a different reason than the other two, so it's kind of funny that that's the one that got the most votes. Both X-Men Origins Wolverine and Captain America, The Winter Soldier have a brotherly love at the center of it. And that's something I really relate to in my life. Uh, my brothers are some of my best friends and uh, couldn't live without them. So it was, it's cool to see that translated in movies. And obviously, in both cases, you got the hero and then the villain is the brother. But you get what I'm saying. The brother of the love is the center. But Doctor Strange, it was it was a little different because I, I didn't necessarily relate to the character but I rediscovered why I love this movie. I've seen it plenty of times, but I've never taken notes while I was watching it. And this time it helped me discover what's so great about it. And it's it's that you don't have to root for the hero necessarily. Now, what Marvel did for this movie is they took super fun, colorful, trippy visuals, which I definitely enjoyed. And I'm going to get to that in my review here. But they wrapped something inside of that, and that was taking concepts of time being limited and death being something everyone wants to avoid but no one can. And it's surrounded by just, you get to experience a universe and you realize, I don't want to say how insignificant you are, but how unimportant you are to the broader story. You, ha- you need to live your individual journey. And I really like that about this movie. It's it's a deeper cut than a lot of these other Marvel films, which I love 
pretty much all of them. But this one really struck me because it, it challenges belief systems and everything you think to be true, and you get challenged. So I think that's that's really what I loved about it. But I'll go through all that in my uh, conclusion here. But let's start it off. Marvelous Depths, a deep dive on Doctor Strange. So we jump into the movie, uh, fun intro, and we have Kaecilius and his group of zealots or followers and they break into the library of Carmitage and they need to steal the ritual that they can bring Dormammu back with or bring him to earth I suppose not really bring him back from the dark dimension and they invade the library and obviously they run into the librarian who was Wong's predecessor and that's something that I always knew and they even call it out in the movie, but I never let that resonate with me. Because the first guy, the predecessor, does not end up so well. This might be the only, if not one of the only movies that starts off as a PG-13 movie with a decapitation. Which was pretty neat. <laughs> it was uh, very cool. Uh, we get to take a peek at the, the mirror dimension and them doing some Inception type things. And... I, throughout this review, I'm definitely going to relate it to other films that I love and actors and all that good stuff because I think that kind of ex, you know just explains why I love it so much. So Caecilius and his zealots essentially do the decapitation, and that's pretty much the mic drop. That's the 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 cold intro, I would say, and then we get to meet the protagonist of the movie, which is Dr. Stephen Strange, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, which is one of my favorite actors. It's it's funny because I'm now used to his American accent, which is something that was completely different than my first view or my first couple views because he'd only been Dr. Strange in that movie. And I've seen him in, you know, Infinity War and Endgame. So you kind of get used to him sounding like that, but... What I really know him best from is playing Sherlock Holmes in the BBC show Sherlock. And if you haven't seen that show, honestly, very fun thriller. You get a bunch of fun actors, and it's it's just quality TV. The whole Sherlock and Moriarty arch nemesis situation is explored quite a bit throughout that show. And that's what I really like about it. So, Dr. Stephen Strange, he is introduced, and he's his usual cocky and arrogant self. He is presented with a patient that a different doctor had declared dead, but he realizes that it was just the lead poisoning interfering with something in the, in the brain. I'm not, obviously I'm not a neurosurgeon and I wouldn't be recording a podcast every week. I'd be busy saving lives, but he realized that, that the patient isn't dead because Rachel McAdams character, Dr. Christine Palmer she goes to talk to Stephen, and they are they used to be an item, which we learn later in the movie. And she's great. She realizes that the doctor might be wrong, so she wants the second opinion, which is where Doctor Stephen Strange comes in, realizes he needs to rectify the situation, goes and saves the guy's life. And all while he's being his usual self and guessing the year in, the year of the release of a song in the album, what side it was on, who the artist is. It's uh, fun stuff. You just, you really get to explore how smart he is. But honestly, like at the beginning of this movie, you don't 
want to root for him all the way. <laughs> he's just so arrogant. Um, he's obviously doing the right thing because he's saving lives and he's a great doctor. But at the same time, there's a level of arrogance that's hard to forgive while you're watching the beginning here. But we get, you know, it's 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 fine. They perform the surgery. He saves their lives. And Rachel McAdams and him have their conversation about naming their technique the Palmer Strange or the Strange Palmer technique for their uh, way they do things in surgery. But that went over really well. I don't want to break down every individual scene of this movie because I would be here for much longer than I need to be. But I just wanted it go cold open, set the stage, and... Rachel McAdams. Let's talk about her for a second. I'm going to break off at different points, talk about the actor, what I know them from. And Rachel McAdams, she's well known for being in the typical romance movie. She was in The Notebook, I believe, that was her. But what I love her the most in is a movie called Southpaw. It's a boxing movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal, and she plays his wife. And while she is a star, spoiler alert, she dies very early on in the movie, but she leaves an impact. So that's what I know her from. And even in that movie, her voice sounds different. So she's clearly a talented actress. And I really enjoyed seeing her in here. Uh, another movie she was in that's a favorite of mine is About Time. And if you guys haven't seen either of these movies, definitely hop in and watch those. Explore her back catalog because About Time especially if you're looking for a sappy romance movie with a little bit of a fun twist with time travel and things like that. I believe it's on Netflix. If not, I'm sorry. You can Google it and see where it's actually streaming, but it's uh, one of me, me and my wife. We love that movie. She's not big on uh, rewatching movies, but I can get her to rewatch that one pretty much anytime I want because it's a great movie. Uh, but after this surgery is performed, Strange tries to invite Christine to uh, an event he's speaking at. But she turns him down because they have a history and all that good stuff. So we get Strange. He goes out and I think it was a Lambo. I'm sorry, car nerds, if I did not get the correct car. Looked like a Lambo. Super expensive. He's got the really just looking like a dime in his suit with a sweet watch. Which, the watch does end up being very important throughout the movie. And if you're listening to this episode, you don't need me to explain what happened in the movie. But I'm just kind of riffing off what I liked and how clever some of the, the writing was. But we get the inevitable crash, which seems to be somehow one of the more expensive scenes in the movie, even though it's very much filled with CGI throughout the whole thing. It's, it's an intense car crash. It's, it's a longer scene than you would expect. And we get the, you know, right before the crash, he gets the, the reference to Rhodey, which was pretty fun. Then he's like, oh, yeah, like 500 other doctors could do that. Give me something challenging. There aren't too many of those throughout this movie, but it was, uh, it was fun to hear just to, like, kind of center you to being in the MCU, which is exactly where this movie takes place. But he goes... Strange, after the accident, he clearly needs a million and five surgeries, it seems like. He starts the movie rich, and he uses all of his money trying to repair his hands. So instead of just living off of the very extravagant lifestyle and money he already had stashed away, he instead chose to want to make more and fix his hands that, in a medical sense, are irreparable. You can't fix them. They're just 
straight up broken. The tendons are bad. It's all very doctory stuff. But if anyone who knows me, you know, they, I always say I'm not a doctor. And he kind of, you know, he spends his money. He starts to get desperate. He's no longer going to surgeon. He starts looking into stem cells and then he looks into Western medicine and not FDA approved methods and nothing seems to be working. And he has a scene with his physical therapist sounding pretty hopeless. It's sad to see because Dr. Strange, he seems like a, like he's, he's arrogant, but he seems like a good person at his core. And we learn that he is later in the movie, but right here at the beginning, it's hard to root for the guy, like I've already said. But he's meeting with his physical therapist, learning his hand things, and he essentially tells the physical therapist guy that his job is pointless and all that good stuff, which is incredibly rude in the physical therapist recommends he look into one case where it had happened because Strange says, name one time that physical therapy's actually helped. And he said... If it'll shut your arrogant ass, you know, arrogant ass up, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll get his file, and he sends it to Strange later, and it happens to be, uh, I forget his first name, but Pangborn is the last name, and what everyone addresses him as throughout the movie, and I think it was a C7, C8 separation in the spine. I only kind of remember that because I watched the movie last night, and he is found playing basketball, and from the medical explanation that they do in this movie, which I have no idea if it's accurate or not, but the, the separation thing of his spine kind of seems like it's something that nobody comes back from. But this guy clearly did. He's playing basketball, and Strange, being the desperate man he is, he, he visits this guy while he's playing ball and pulls him to the side, and he essentially says his, his case was hopeless. And that's kind of a rude thing to say, especially when you're looking to uh, get something out of someone. But the guy, he's he's nicer than he had to be in that situation. He sees Strange's desperation, even though Pangborn himself tried to get in with Strange to try and fix him. And Strange turned, didn't even let him meet with him. He didn't even get through his uh, receptionist, is what the actual quote is. Because Strange only takes on cases that he can actually improve something on like even before the crash so they tried to offer him uh some sort of brain contusion of a 68 year old woman he said i'm not gonna break my perfect record why would you even recommend that which is you know it's sad so that's again it, it just the arrogance it's hard to want to be friends with this guy at the very least but pingborn tells him about carmitage and Strange uses the last of his money, sells everything for a one-way plane ticket to Karmataj. Kamartaj. You know, I know how to say it, kind of. I listened, and we'll see if that's actually correct. But Karmataj is, uh, it's, it seems to be like a Middle Eastern country similar to India. I, they might have con even confirmed what country it actually was. But he... Spend, you know, spends his day looking through this entire country trying to find this one location and eventually he you know, gets mugged by a group of guys and who hops in but our good friend slash enemy by the end of the movie, Mordo. And Mordo, he's a fun character. I am saving my true thoughts on him for the end of this just because he has a very drastic character arc. He starts to be, you know, he starts as a really good guy, ends terrible guy and you guys have seen the movie so you know what i'm talking about no 
The thing I love about this movie, well, one of the things, obviously, there are plenty of things I love about it, but it's about Strange's pursuit of knowledge. Once he finally meets the Ancient One and he gets his third eye opened and sent through the astral dimension and through all these trippy things. And if you've ever been to college, there's at least one guy or girl that's got like the sacred geometry uh, blankets or tapestries. That's what they're called all over their dorm room. And it's, it's pretty typical stuff. So they, they definitely enjoyed the visuals of this movie, but I'm not going to lie. I also really enjoyed it. It looked cool. I think, the visuals are some of the most fun things in this movie because it was it was different. Obviously, it's hard for the MCU to kind of get to explore the extraordinary, at least at, at the beginning it was, because they wanted to set it in some form of reality. And honestly, we have superhero, like, the, the superhero movie that everyone references and why we even have that anymore, and it, it's changed now. But it was the Dark Knight trilogy with Christopher Nolan, which I'm not going to spend too much time on, but my favorite movie of all, of all time is The Dark Knight. It's a great movie, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm definitely not just going to be like, hey, man, there's this, you know, indie movie I've never acted, and no one's heard of. That's clearly not true. Great movie. Heath Ledger did a great job as Joker. But moving on, that set the tone for a realistic superhero movie. And the MCU spent their first couple movies kind of embracing that because that they knew that's what worked. But as they progressed and these movies kept getting more and more popular, they could go more into the mystic realm or the mythological realm. Like they started that with Thor and just kind of ran with it from then on. And it was, it was a fun change of pace. I think that's one of the, the great things about this movie is it's different than most MCU movies. It has different visuals. It has different stakes. It's all, you know, just there's there's variance in the MCU, and I love that. Now, I'm a big fan of the Ancient One. Uh, their uh, first reaction, the widening of the quote, essentially was like, "Strange is looking through the whole world through a keyhole, and he thinks that that's all of reality." in the universe because that's what he can see it's tangible and the ancient one opens his eye to this and then strange instead of like he because if you know obviously when he first came to the room he's very skeptical of the whole situation i can understand because the guy spent lots and lots of money (laughs) trying to get to this place and uh just as a quick little side note this movie really reminded me like specifically this scene it reminded me of uh Neo and Lawrence Fishburne's character in The Matrix. Honestly, super great. Kind of like not a train. You get a little bit of a training montage following her letting him back into Carmitage. Carmitage. We'll get there. So we get this training montage, and Doctor Strange, he very much gets to experience everything that he loves the pursuit of knowledge that's something like i didn't relate to the main character that much but that's one thing that i really loved about this character is as soon as he's presented with new information he takes it upon himself to want to learn more and that's something everyone should take part in i think too many people get stuck in what they know and what they have to do and they don't truly learn 
they give up on that. You leave school and then it's just work and marriage and kids and, you know, pets. All the things that take up time, which everyone loves. I personally love my dog and my wife. They're great. But you can't give up on your pursuit of greater things. Like, you want to know more things. At least, I can only speak for myself, but the pursuit of knowledge is super important to me. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, clearly, but... I like to learn. Learning is one of my favorite things to do. So that's kind of how I related to Dr. Strange here. He takes the mystic realm that he's never heard anything about except the funny chakra lines that he made up earlier. And he, he just, on face value, he's like, hey, you showed me. This is my jam now. I'm going to learn everything there is to know about this stuff. And he brags about getting his PhD and MD at the same time due to his photographic memory. And he uses that trait that he has and applies it to the mystic arts, reading through books like they're nothing. He learns much quicker than it seems most other people had ever experienced within Cromartage. It's it's cool. It's like I start rooting for the guy a little bit more because I, I no longer see him as arrogant. He's now a student and he's learning and he's not like he still has an ego but not so much so that it's it's unbearable. You kind of just are like, hey, he he's a novice at this. He doesn't pretend to know everything. Eventually he gets to that point because he reads pretty much every book in the library, it seems, and starts questioning his teachings from other people in Comertage. But we get to, you know, the training scene where he's fighting and him and Mordo have their little uh, sparring session and he learns about the relics. And uh, I forget what the one that Mordo was using, but it was a really cool, like, whip spear. And he does these crazy magic moves. And Strange, he just stands no shot. He he likes to blame all of his problems on his use of his hands. And then, what do you know, but uh, <laughs> my Master Amir comes in. I believe that's his name. And the Ancient One brings him over. And turns out... This guy only has one hand, and he's nailing all of the hand movements perfectly. So Strange is left to just realize that he's limiting himself, which is another thing that people can learn from. You can limit yourself to things just because you give up too early. And it, it, that's that's not what you want to do. You just got to gotta push through, try and be better. That's That's really the only advice I have. And I'm, you know, I'm not... A motivational speaker by any means but I do think people should know that you don't become stagnant keep like stay water keep things moving you got to keep yourself make yourself continue to feel alive because once you get set in a certain set of ways it may be comfortable for you but what are you really accomplishing you're just punching in punching out wherever you're going and you're not embracing the things you love as much as you could and, you know, I love a lot of things. I love this podcast. I love recording this podcast. I, I'm not getting paid for anything. This is just something that I find fun. And I get to spend some time with my uh, cousin, Coach. He's a good guy. We're both nerds. We've been nerds our entire lives. And it's really cool to be able to just talk nerdy with another human that really gets me. And that's, that's another thing. It's just the pursuit of what you love is what's important here. I... 
am a nerd to the day I die. I've said on the Marvel Stuff Podcast many times that I am actually a bigger DC fan than Marvel fan, but that's not because I don't love Marvel. It's because DC's been important to me my entire life. You know, Batman was the hero forever, and now Nightwing, by far my favorite hero in either company. Don't at me about that. That guy's great. But let's get back to the training sequence. So he gets sent to Mount Everest, and of course, he has to learn how to use the sling ring to get back to Carmitage. And he does so after a quick little scene, and there we go. That that scene's over. But the relics, the idea of the relics isn't gone yet. We get our first little look at the eye of Agamotto while he's training himself to learn all the new stuff. And he does the whole going back and forth with the apple going from moldy and eaten to not eaten and fresh. It's a, it's a fun sequence. And, you know, just, just as a personal note, the eye of Agamotto, if I could pick any MCU prop, like that would be way up there. I really want that thing. It looks sweet. Uh, I, I have a lot of tattoos. Uh, our listeners may not know that, but I don't have a Marvel tattoo yet. And the Eye of Agamotto slash the symbol for the New York Sanctum Sanctorum. It's actually the same symbol, which I'd noticed before, but it's kind of cool to kind of re-acknowledge that. Uh, that might be a tattoo I get it someday. We'll see how it goes. But uh, while I was watching this, uh, it's funny. I kept relating this movie to Fantastic Four 2, Rise of the Silver Surfer, and that movie... You know, it was hot garbage because they tried to make it PG. The first movie was okay, but the second one just seemed silly while I was watching it. But there are specific scenes and characters that reminded me, that that I was reminded of while watching Doctor Strange. So, Dormammu is very, very similar to Galactus. And I think that was completely intentional because they at, in 2016 they didn't have the rights to Galactus yet. I'm wondering if they would have chosen to use Galactus instead of Dormammu if they had had the rights in the first place. Because their whole planet-eating vibe and making them part of the collective or whatever you want to call it, they seem pretty similar. And in Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, we're introduced to Galactus. I say that in quotation marks because they did a terrible job of that. He was essentially just a hungry cloud with a disembodied voice. I don't know what they were doing there, but that movie's old and unimportant. But I was reminded of that scene. And then even the the final scene of, well, the final action sequence in Doctor Strange was very similar to the last action sequence in Rise of the Silver Surfer in the way that it takes place in, in predominantly Asian town and their fighting off this space creature thing. Uh, it's all very interesting, but Dormammu reminded me of Galactus. I just thought that was a fun little thing to note there. Uh, we have Mads Mikkelsen as Kaecilius. I didn't mention his casting before because I wanted to save that for a little bit later. I wanted to break up how I felt about certain characters throughout this movie. And Kaecilius was awesome. He was really cool. He's like, he's an intimidating villain, but not, Physically, I think that's why the casting was perfect. Now, following this movie, I actually watched the show Hannibal. I think Hannibal had released before this show, but I don't know that to be exact. But I do know that Hannibal's a great show, and he plays a very good Hannibal actor. And that's kind of where I know that actor from. 
And it was fun to kind of, while I was watching Hannibal, be like, hey, that's the, that's Kaecilius from Doctor Strange when everybody else thought of it in reverse. He was also just recast in the role of Grindelwald in the Fantastic Beast movie, which are fun movies, but I don't know how I feel about the role being recast. I am not going to say how I feel about the just overall actions of Warner Brothers, where they fired Johnny Depp from this movie, but then Amber Heard, who is also being accused of the same crime. I mean, they're accusing each other, and who's to say who's right? I'm sure there's some sort of investigation underway, or there was, and I'm just not up to date. I try not to follow celebrity news too closely. But I was bummed that they recast Johnny Depp's character, but then they kept Amber Heard as Mara. That just that didn't seem fair to me. But I digress. Mads Mikkelsen is great, and he's going to kill that role, so I'll be I'll be glad to watch it. The thing I found odd about the uh, the motivation that Kaecilius has from the Dark Dimension is he would be sacrificing his freedom for immortality, but why would you want to be immortal without any freedom? The Ancient One kind of touches on that later in the movie, how because they're corrupted, this is why they think this way, but I just, I don't know. It was, it just, while watching this again, it was an odd thing to acknowledge that he wanted to be immortal, but he wanted to be a nobody. That that just, I would rather die. That's kind of how I view things here. It doesn't make any sense to want to be just part of a collective. But I digress. They needed it for writing reasons, whatever. But we get another fight scene here. Uh, more mirror dimension, mirror dimension, inception visuals. Which I'm a big fan of. I love the movie Inception. Clearly, I'm a Christopher Nolan fan. I think this is the second or third movie I've referenced of his. But that movie's great. The visuals are cool. Uh, I liked Caecilius' quote where he's, he's talking to Strange in the Sanctum Sanctorum of New York. Because Strange just defeated his two lackeys or whatever. Well... Not at that point. He defeated one by stranding them in a desert. He thought he defeated the other, but that one wakes back up in a moment. But for this quote specifically, it's when Caecilius is bound by that weird magic contraption thing. And he had a quote that I really, really liked. It almost made me like, okay, I kind of get that. It was, time is an insult, death is an insult. He sees himself as some sort of god in that sense it seems that he just has such a high opinion of himself and throughout the movie throughout the movie they have characters that do parallel Doctor Strange with Kaecilius which is fine and they are similar in that way but the ego is just way more inflated when it comes to Kaecilius I think because I don't think time is an insult and death is an insult. Later in the movie, we get to hear an even better quote, which I'll get to, but I'll just say it now. The Ancient One says, Death is what gives life meaning. And that's, you know, not only is that deep, but it's just very cool to hear, and it very much just flips them on their head, and I kind of understand the dichotomy that they had while they were, while Caecilius was being trained by the Ancient One, because they have very different, uh, opinions on things but after the little fight scene where we we get dr strange he gets stabbed by the guy that he thought he knocked out and he uses his slingering to get to christine palmer at the hospital and we get the funny astral projection scene where he pops out scares the crap out of her she performs the surgery 
he realizes that when she took the paddles to his chest, he realized it was like a power surge and it hurt the other uh, astral projection. So he said, up the up the uh, voltage and hit me again. And she cranks it all the way. She's like, I guess I'll listen to you, which is very funny because she just completely ditches out on her medical experience. Like, hey, if I go this high, you're going to die. And she's like, well, he did just show up out of the as an astral form. I guess I might as well trust him. And thank God he did or she did, I suppose. He grabs the other astral form and she hits him with the full voltage. And Doctor Strange kills a guy. He blows up the astral form and the guy dies back at the sanctum sanctorum so we got we get back in strange after getting repaired and stitched up by christine they have a couple of lovely scenes that really just further expands on their uh on again off again relationship that kind of seems by the end of the movie i mean she's definitely going to be a factor in the multiverse of madness. That's, that's for sure. I don't know. Pretty much everybody and their mother is cast in the new Spider-Man movie, which means everybody and their mother plus their cousins are also going to be in Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. Cause that's kind of the whole point. But that was something I noticed while watching this movie. This, I guess my, our fans can correct me if I'm wrong, but this was the first reference to a multiverse. They bring it up a couple times throughout the movie. Maybe I'm forgetting what order movies came out in, but I'm pretty sure that this is the first acknowledgement of the multiverse, which was a fun little reference because we haven't really heard about the, you know, the multiverse at all since this movie. I mean, now that they're finally getting, now we got Loki, the show that very much expanded on all of that. And the new Spider-Man movies, obviously going to embrace the whole idea of the multiverse. But this is the first little Easter egg that Marvel was smart enough to put in five years ago at this point. They've probably filmed it six years ago. So I just, you know, fun little side note. But after he returns, Doctor Strange, that is, he returns to the Sanctum Sanctorum. And, you know, he finds the Ancient One in Mordo. And Doctor Strange, instead of, you know, being glad that he defended himself and stuff, he kind of plays the Doctor card like I took an oath not to kill people. And then... The Ancient One kind of calls him out like, yeah, are you really that upset about killing someone though? Like, you wait, I know you took the oath, but I kind of know you. And Doctor Strange, he calls her out for being hypocritical in front of Mordo because he realized because he rewound time at one point with the Ayabagamoto that the rituals in those books were what the Ancient One used to pull from the Dark Dimension to get her immortality, which is something that Doctor Stephen Strange didn't really appreciate and he called her out in front of Mordo. I don't know if he did it intentionally to get Mordo on his side or if that was just kind of like a side thought, but that's what happened. And Mordo is immediately just disgusted by the ancient one. And instead of denying it, she smartly just kind of moved on saying, Hey, we still got to defend this place. And then we get Kaecilius returns with a couple more of his goons and they're about to blow up the New York Sanctum Sanctorum and Doctor Strange thinking on his feet and he doesn't know what it actually means to them but he, he throws everyone in the mirror dimension which it was quick thinking on his part and it was probably the right call but then the Ancient One obviously calls out the fact that like hey man he's like the master of the mirror dimension this was probably a bad idea because if you die in there you still die that's just how things go you just don't affect the greater uh, the world that's actually 
out there. You're in within this dimension that can't hurt anything, but it can hurt someone that came in there with you. Now, we get a lot more trippy visuals, which, again, one of my favorite parts of this movie, just lots of buildings turning in on each other and swirls and platforms building themselves and all that cool stuff. And the Ancient One goes for the 1v1. <laughs> she comes in for the save. After Strange and Mordo try and fight Kaecilius themselves, not a great call on their part, but the Ancient One comes in and saves the day. She fights off a couple of his goons, and then it comes to the 1v1, and they she seems to just be overmatching him at almost every turn, which makes sense because she's been around for who knows how long. But then Kaecilius does something that she would never have thought of herself. And I liked how they really played into him being the villain. He distracts her with one hand and has one of his zealots in between the two of them. He stabs through the goon into the ancient one. And then he uses the sling ring to kind of get everyone out of the mirror dimension again, which doesn't end well for the ancient one. She falls to, to the regular New Yorker, it just seems like she fell out of nowhere. She falls through the glass. She's covered in blood and cuts. And this is where Strange takes, <laughs> takes her back to Christine. And Christine's like, hey, man, you were just here. But she, of course, tries to help. And we get another astral scene, which arguably is one of the best scenes in the movie, I think. She, the Ancient One, leaves her body. And she kind of slows time and strange realizing what's happening he also leaves his body and follows her astral form out to like a, a patio type of deal and she just really expresses how i've seen a million different realities and i've prevented countless atrocities but all of them end in this one moment all of them and she kind of slows down time even more and just talks to Strange and like encouraging him to be a good person. And she says something that was probably the most important lesson in the movie. It's just, it's not about you, is what she says. That's the important thing to know is the universe isn't about Strange. It's about protecting everything as a whole. We are a unit we have the ebbs and flows the goods the bads and we just really have to embrace everything and just know that it, it, it's really not about you it's it's about the greater good and she says the line that i had mentioned earlier i'm finally back to it probably my favorite line of the movie death is what gives life meaning i'm sure it's been said before in a million other movies but the way she phrases it was just powerful and beautiful tilda swinton is a great actress i know a lot of people questioned her being cast as the ancient one but it didn't i never had any qualms with it i think she did great and she just acknowledges to strange that she knows this is the end but she's still scared she said look at me after all this time to prepare i'm still turning every second into thousands of seconds just to watch the snow fall which it was funny because I didn't even, it wasn't snowing before they went in the hospital, but it was snowing later, which I guess is fine because they, you know, New York in the winter, I'm sure it can just switch on a, on a dime like that. But the angel one reaches out, grabs Strange's hand, and she lives her last moment with him. 
and just, you know, disappears very, I don't know, Yoda fashion. It was similar to like a forest ghost. I don't really know what they were going for, but he's gone. Or, excuse me, the ancient one is gone. And Stephen Strange realizes that, like, he's he's got to step it up now. The ancient one's no longer there to have his back. And he re-meets up with Mordo, and they discuss, like, a plan of action. Mordo's still very hurt by the, you know, discovery that the Ancient One was drawing from the Dark Dimension to prolong her life. And I can kind of see where he's coming from, but at the same time, you, you can't be so bullheaded and just blind to the fact that she was a good person. But Strange kind of, you know, he... He helps him come to terms, at least for the moment, that they need to team up again. So Strange grabs the Eye of Agamotto, which has the time in the green time Infinity Stone, of course. Everyone knows that. But he grabs this and it takes Mordo and he's like, hey, the London Sanctum has already fallen. They've tried to attack the New York one twice. Where do you think they're going? And of course, that equals the Hong, Tong, Hong Kong Sanctum Sanctorum. So they go there. Wong had already had a quick scene a moment ago where he tried to stand up to Kaecilius, but you never really see how that turns out for him. And they show up on the scene, and to them, it's it's too late. They acknowledge it. It's it's too late for them to show up, but then Strange has the great idea to treat the situation like the apple. And rewind time as far as he can to where the dark dimension hadn't started taking over yet and he backs up time gets destruction to start going backwards but something i found interesting and i wonder if they're going to re-acknowledge this ability at different points in the mcu kaecilius and his his followers were able to break the will of the time stone Instead of being forced to walk in reverse, they do this weird like shrug off thing that very much reminded of reminded me of what uh what you have to do to wake yourself up from a dream, or at least that's how I handle things. If I know I need to wake up, I pull my shoulders back and forth and move my head, hoping that my uh, actual body will wake me up from my dream, and it does work. So that's cool. But he turns around with his people and they start attacking and. It's interesting because everything's still going in reverse, but somehow they've broken out of the spell or power of the Time Stone. And Strange, he he gives Mordo the ability first to be with him within the reversing of time. And then they find Wong, who's impaled on a post. And he's like, oh, hey, should probably save Wong. As soon as Wong's backed up and his body's back to normal, he you know puts the Time Stone in his face and adjusts him to where he can also see what's going on so we have this fun interesting visually appealing boss fight between guys Ilias and his followers and mordo strange with wong and strange realizing that he's probably not going to win he calls an audible he essentially he he goes to meet dormammu and this is where we get to we are really introduced to dormammu as a character who is as most people know, or at least you should know, is also voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. So the, the idea of that's very funny. Yeah, a lot of people just, you know, they don't know that he's a talented voice actor. He played the, like a dragon in the Hobbit movie or movies. 
I forget which, uh, Smaug, I believe, is the dragon he played, and he did a great job doing that. So, while watching Doctor Strange in theaters, I had no idea it was his voice that he was, uh, coming to bargain with. And this is one of the better scenes in the movie, at least the first time. The second time and third time, it's not as funny to watch, but it's still great. He puts this space god, essentially, on a time loop, and he said, Hey man, I'm not letting you go until you bargain. <laughs> Toramamu, I've come to bargain. And he gets killed seven, eight, nine, however many times he has to die before Dormammu finally gives up and he, he needs to be released from this uh, infinite time loop. And this is a great conclusion, really. Like, Doctor Strange using his smarts to outsmart this being that no one had really even thought could be challenged. He said, hey, you gotta leave and you have to take your followers with you. And Dormammu, of course, agrees because he doesn't really have a choice in the matter. So Strange comes back to Earth. He has a, well, a last interaction with Kaecilius and the others. And Kaecilius is turned into the, just this plain black Slenderman-looking creature along with the others and sucked into the the collective or whatever they call it in the dark dimension. And Strange is like, hey, you got everything you ever wanted. So, scene. Fun times. I enjoyed that. Uh, it was a cool way to end things as far as the action goes and uh i I like how this this story wraps up instead of leaving it on a cliffhanger that was something that the mcu mastered obviously everyone saw infinity war and then had to wait a full year to see endgame i know this is uh you know this movie preceded those but marvel is very good at leaving things on a cliffhanger because they know they have myself and the rest of the marvel audience you know by the by the by the balls let's just call it what it is they have us by the balls we're we're not gonna not go to the movies so i'm glad that this one really wrapped up and then we get the post credit scene of course we get a quick view at thor this was and then they did like almost the exact same scene they did it over again in thor ragnarok and that was that was cool. I like the tie between the two characters because the first time I saw this movie, I really wasn't expecting Thor to be the character that kind of connects it to the MCU because it was becoming so popular to do the mid-credit and post-credit scene. The post-credit scene is one of the more important scenes of the movie because we kind of get to see Mordo again and he's fully embraced his uh, his dark side per se, I guess you could call it. I saved my thoughts on Mordo for the end just because while I was watching it this time, I don't think I ever made the connection before, but he really reminded me of Anakin Skywalker in the Star Wars prequel movies. He starts out being like part of the team and committed to the Jedi Order in Anakin's case or uh, the Ancient One in Carmitage in the case of Mordo. But he's presented with new information that he doesn't like so he he kind of just it, it's funny that there's a parallel there he has the best intentions at the beginning but through exposure to the hypocrisy of the world you know the jedi in anakin's case or the dark powered ancient one you know or time altering strange in the case of mordo he chooses to act out as opposed to compromising his view however bullheaded that might be i'm just i'm really excited to see the character in his return to marvel They've done a 
good job of keeping this a long game thing. This movie came out in 2016, and we haven't had mention of Mordo again since. And I'm really excited to see what happens, because the after credit scene, obviously everyone's seen it. He goes back and he kills Panghorn, which, you know, jerk move. I wish he wouldn't have done that, but you gotta have a dark story, and that's what happened. And this is where we get the too many sorcerers. <laughs> and it, it compares to Anakin just because it's like, hey, he killed all those Jedi, even though they were, you know, great people. Uh, shout out to the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. If any one of you is listening to this, let me know what you think of that parallel because uh, it's a fun one. And that's uh, that's my thoughts on Mordo. I'm glad I saved him to the end because he is he's not the most important character, but he does have probably the most the or the biggest character arc starting from a hero and going all the way to villain which is you know interesting but that just about uh covers the movie so i'll uh, i guess i'll just end this uh i like this movie not because it relates to my life but because it challenges some of the things that every human thinks of death and having limited time are kind of challenges that everyone's faced with it it sucks, but it's part of the human experience, and like it was said in the movie, death brings meaning to life. Humans spend their whole lives searching for something that doesn't actually have a definitive answer. We're here because we're here, and we have a limited time, so we should be doing what makes us happy. I record this podcast every week because it makes me happy. I love talking about nerd things, and really honestly talking about the things I love helps me learn more about myself. I'm not doing this to advance a career or get rich. It's more just, it's an outlet for me to talk about the stuff that I love. And obviously it's better to make money in life, and I know that's not always the most fun thing to do, because you need to live comfortably, and everyone has their worries, including myself. I totally understand that. But when it comes down to it, your experience is all you're ever going to have. So do your best not to wallow in trying to discover the meaning. People much smarter than myself, and probably you, have tried, and they all die the same as everyone else. So, in the words of the great ancient one, it's not about you. Not to end this on a depressing note, but the world will always move forward, and time is limited, so have a great life. And don't worry so much. Your life is about you, but that's where it stops. The universe isn't concerned with the individual, and that's probably for the best. But I, uh, that's, uh, that's how I'm going to end it. I hope you guys enjoyed my Marvelous Depths episode. Please let us know if you like these, and don't forget to rate and subscribe. If you guys aren't a big fan of these Marvelous Depths, please let us know. And we won't do them as often, but I know myself and Coach are having a great time doing them. Hop in on the Facebook page. It's always a good time there. We're having a lot of fun. Memes are posted. And honestly, news is posted there almost as quick as anywhere else on on my Facebook pages anyway. So yeah, hop in. Follow us on Instagram. I post up some good stories. But in the words of my loyal co-host, Coach, 